episode 146, Sports Concussion Topics. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trostler, and today we Dr. Nancy Bakil, Perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards nominated host and best selling author on Amazon as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. That's it. That's my Halloween voice for you. No jokes. That's it. I know. I got some dry humor. Uh, if you missed that last week at the late November, I'm going to shut it down for a little while as we move to Germany to just kind of focus on family, figuring out a new, a new country, new customs, new job, new everything. So um, definitely just check out the past episodes, all the series, all the people in between. I'm telling you, there's some really good things. Marketing, Cash PT. Random topics from here and there, from like sleep to cold laser and marketing. So lots of good stuff, I think. Uh, you can check out all the social media sites. We'll still have past episodes every day linked. So uh, please don't forget about me. I'll be back. And tell your friends, of course. All right. Today, we have a doctor of physical therapy. And I won't ruin it, but she's into concussions because she started seeing it. And they have weird symptoms sometimes. And when she was reading all these other books, oh, it can be really bogged down on the details to where it's tough for doctors to understand, much less a patient. So she decided, let me just gather everything I can and write my own book. And that's what she did called Concussion Talks. So we're going to discuss the signs and symptoms of concussions, which is also called mild traumatic head injuries. What can we do about it? What are some warning signs, some misconceptions? That's always important. Uh, ways to recover a little bit faster. And just on time, you know, if you're playing football, you get a concussion. Why is that such a bad thing to go back out there the next week? Okay, that's obviously a bad thing. So we'll find out why. And she also is trying to build more publicity for her book because it's just something that patients can understand when they read it. Doctors can understand when they read it. And because it's such a male dominated world out there, she needs some little help. So hopefully after you listen to this, you can be like, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. All the coaches that I know should definitely read this book. I'm going to read this book myself. And... Um, really get the word out because in this day and age with, with people trying to minimize the concussions as possible, the effects are, are, it can be bad for young kids to experience this. So let's treat them right. I think you're going to like the episode. I think she was walking, to be honest, outside. You'll hear some like random street noises and things. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 146. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in New York, but not New York City. We got a great guest today. She wrote a book on concussion and sports. She's a doctor of physical therapy. It's a very interesting concept for me. Uh, it's not something I know a ton, a ton about. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Mansi Vakil on the program. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. It's an honor. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. Well, if you search her name, she's no stranger to being a guest on a podcast, but she's definitely a stranger to our audience. So. Give us a little background onto a little bit about physical therapy, but also how come you got so involved with the concussion field? Because that's, um, that's a pretty unique thing. And I'm sure there's some books out there already, but you decided those weren't good enough. I need to do this on my own. What's going on with that? Sure. So, yes, I grew up in Bombay. My, I had a pretty vanilla kind of childhood with no turning points. Uh, physical therapy, uh, came as an idea as a profession after I had a very close uh, cousin of mine who fractured his elbow. 
uh, playing cricket and uh, he was involved in some of the sports and just watching him and his family uh, navigate through the treatment and recovery sort of made me realize I want to do physical therapy. So this happened uh, over two decades ago. Uh, I decided that's what I wanted to take up as a profession and um, I don't regret that one bit. Uh, dealing with a lot of uh, athletes, uh, sports injuries, um, what started becoming a common entity in my clinic was parents walking in with kids having a very bizarre set of symptoms like headaches and a dizziness. Um, you know, I, it was common to see torn ligaments in the knee and broken shoulders, but this sort of started becoming a, a more common in the, re, in, the, in the recent, I would say, in the past year, maybe a little over a year. Uh, that started trending. And uh, knowing, uh, having done my doctorate right about that time, I understood that I had, I had done some research into concussions and head injuries. And it really was uh, concerning to see some of these parents who were not really heedless, but they were really unaware of what it meant to have a head injury and what the symptoms would present like and if there was anything to, to cure it or were there any treatments. That led to me, I was like, okay, you know what, let's do an evaluation. Let me make, you know, walk you through what exactly a, a mild traumatic head injury is, which is uh, basically the, another name for a concussion. What really happens when you are, when you sustain one, uh, what is the recovery and why it's so vague? Because it is vague. We don't, I don't think anybody out there even knows how to define the term concussion because it's, it's very confusing. So we sort of, some people misuse the term. We don't know when to use the term uh, in the right way. 30-something books out there. Yes, 30-something books have already been written on concussions. I tried reading uh, some of these books. Uh, some of them are a little too technical, may sound very intimidating. You may not get past the third page uh, without sort of being very worried for yourself or your uh, athletic child. But I feel that's what led me to write my version of the book, which is the language is so much more colloquial. It's not a textbook. It's definitely not a textbook. I tell people when they read this book, it's, they should consider this like a Bible that they should always, they could always go back to and read it if they want to know anything, rather everything about concussions in there in a very uh, layman term. The language is very straightforward. But it's definitely still applicable to the physician as well as, uh, you know, just the parent who has a concern for their kid. Right. Absolutely. So it covers everything from what are my treatment options, who are the specialists that I should uh, seek help from, what are the most recent ways of diagnosing one, what exactly is the anatomy behind it, like why is it that I'm seeing these symptoms, what is exactly happening in the brain. What, what kind of recent advancements have happened in terms of, you know, we've seen all these helmet changes and we've seen a lot of these protective gears that are newer. Are they better or not? Are they really safeguarding uh, your child? You know, it's really a complicated world out there when it comes to these things. But everything is sort of uh, laid down pretty simple um, and easy to understand language in my book. So let's talk about this. I watched a video not too long ago about some athlete kid who was doing well and he had a misdiagnosed concussion and about maybe two weeks later it was football he gets hit again and i guess it's like that double crush or i'm not sure what the proper term for it is but anyway his brain kept swelling and they had to cut his part of his skull out and anyway he, he can't talk hardly at all and just really had a terrible 
terrible situation. And they're like, yeah, it's because he had two concussions and two big hits within a short amount of time frame. So assuming you know about that type of injury, what are some of the first signs and symptoms that we're looking at? You know, how long should somebody wait before they say go back out on the field so that we don't have that second injury? I mean, because it's football. You hit all the time. I don't know. Right. You can't avoid it. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, the, one of the most common, like amongst kids, uh, depends on what age group you're talking about. But headaches are extremely common as one of the most early signs after you've had a head injury. But again, we would probably get a headache just from being dehydrated or just headaches are a very vague. It's a very vague symptom. You you cannot conclude that, oh, my child has concussion just from the child complaining of a headache. But what happens after a few... Did they have to pass out? No, 90% of concussions, um, nobody loses consciousness. That's the tricky Mm. part. That's why it's so difficult to diagnose. 90% of cases, you do not lose consciousness. So you have to really... That's why we really look out for these other symptoms to sort of tell yourself or your child that, you know, let's wait it out. Headache is one of the common ones. In the initial stages, of course, if there is swelling in the brain and there is that early stage inflammation, uh, you might see some, you know, like the, the child is having some sleep disturbances. The child is having the difficulty with paying you know, attention. Uh, you know, just uh, we've seen cases where the kid is, uh, you know, where the kid might just have problem doing his math homework, which usually wouldn't be the case otherwise. But this could be associated with him probably had experiencing uh, uh, an impact injury while he played his game uh, a couple of days ago. And it totally went unnoticed because some of these symptoms take some time to start surfacing. So headaches, sleep disturbances, uh, memory problems, problems with attention. Some people also, some athletes have a little bit of, of, um, some some get dizzy and uh, lose their balance. Some have blurring, you know, vision problems. It's a it's a huge it's a wide variety of symptoms, but you could definitely. It probably just depends on how you got hit and what part of the brain got injured. Right. So the frontal lobe is definitely a common area to get affected. These are the parts. You know, the the frontal cortex is responsible for executive functioning, memory. Uh, some parts of the brain that get affected are also responsible for mood changes. So you might see a little bit of anxiety kicking in amongst these athletes, all of which can tell you, mm. listen, this child needs to be seen by a specialist. Don't sit at home and wait for the symptoms to ease by themselves. And definitely don't put this child back on the field yet. Okay. So they're going to go to like a, a neurologist of some sort probably. Sure. And then maybe at that point they're like, okay, you're cleared. Or this is what's going on. Now you can go to like physical therapy to manage the symptoms and get this thing recuperated quicker. Right. So a lot of people skip the physical therapy part. I feel like the awareness that we play such a big role in getting these players ready for their sport. I think it's lacking. And I appreciate every every parent that walks into my clinic with their kids because I'm like, great, you know that we do have a major role to play here. Because once the neurologist or the neurophysician or the neuro orthopedist, whoever has done the initial evaluation has rolled in or out certain uh, symptoms or has cleared the child, in my opinion, the child has to be tested for, you know, some of these PT-related uh, treatments, uh, I mean, PT-related uh, evaluations like biomechanics, uh, biomechanical correction. Right. 
totally overlooked by uh, neurosurgeons. I don't think many of them even care for how the spine looks or how if the if the cranial nerves have been tested after the impact. Because cranial nerves are important for so many, so many vital functions. And I don't think uh, a very detailed evaluation for that has is done by neurosurgeons. So biomechanical correction of the neck, uh, cranial nerve assessment, agility testing, aerobic capacity testing, all of these are not being done yet. I'll, and I feel like mm. if these athletes were given a mandatory assessment by a physical therapist, then their return would be much safer. They'll be much safer to return to their sport after their first injury. And we would probably be able to eliminate the, you know, the really, um, really bad consequences of that second impact, what we spoke about, where the child's brain was that, which was already swollen and he's still not, he's still recovering from his first injury and they, they, they go back to playing and they get hit again. This probably, you know, if you haven't done a biomechanical correction of the neck, chances of you getting hit again are pretty high. So that's where I think, yeah, PTs play a big role and we need to get that word out. <laughs> you know, I know someone... They were shaving, she was shaving her legs, slipped, hit her head on the uh, sink, and I think she blacked out. Anyway, pretty bad concussion, and she's like a study person, not playing really sports, just real, you know, engineering type of classes, and they're like, yeah, you got to kind of just not study for a while and give your brain a break, and we don't really think about that. It's like, yeah, it's, you can't really watch TV, you're not really supposed to study hard, you're just supposed to like actually just give your brain a rest, and that's difficult to do if you're in a college where... You know, your GPA is a big deal. Right. So mental rest, physical rest, uh, again, very controversial topic. Uh, still a lot of research being done. Most recent research suggests that, yes, it's the cornerstone of treatment following a concussion, but you have to also slowly introduce aerobic exercises just to get the oxygen kicking in. You improve your lung capacity, the brain definitely needs oxygen and nutrients so the healing will just not happen by you sitting down and not doing anything about it so i believe going on a really good diet that sort of will boost the healing you want to supplement that with a, a very low intensity aerobic exercise program to kickstart the recovery that's what the most recent uh, research has to suggest when you're talking diet is it um like a high healthy fat diet, more like protein rich, or what are your thoughts? It doesn't uh, necessarily have to be protein um, rich diet, but you there are some factors, there are some um, some proteins, there are some vitamins that boost he uh, the neuro uh, the neuro neuro recovery. Basically, there are some vitamins that just keep health the nerves healthy and keep the brain healthy. So, I actually have an entire. Um, blog written i have an article on concussion diet on my website if you want to take a look uh it tells you exactly what to eat and at what intervals because there are only a few things that will promote brain recovery or the nerve recovery everything else is okay your muscles and your your bones and you could have you could you could go online and there'll be a whole bunch of other articles saying oh don't drink caffeine uh, it sort of is a stimulant, but I actually did research and they said caffeine could be good uh, because the, the, it improves the metabolic uh, reactions of certain chemicals that are actually healthy for you and for your brain to recover. So feel free to check that um, article out. But 
yes, diet is a big one. Diet is a big um, is a big deal. Nutrition is a very big deal in your recovery process. You just uh, if you really keep up with a good good diet and at, you give yourself the right kind of food at regular intervals, people have uh, recovered sooner than they thought they would have. Yeah. And before we jump any further, what is your website? It's a uh, concussion talks with the plural talks uh, concussion talks.com and i almost post an article every other day um it's free for anybody to go to and uh, it's a free resource very helpful i believe uh, again i've broken down the language to for people to eat, understand uh, people who don't have uh, experience with the medical terms don't really have to worry about reading these articles Give us one of the misconceptions. We might have already covered, and if we did, just say so. What's one of the misconceptions that you find with the concussions and recovery and all of that? There are so many. Like I would say people think helmets are doing the job and helmets are going to be keeping their kids safe. Uh, that's the biggest one because I feel they don't understand that the brain has to move only by a quarter of an inch to see uh, for it to be injured. If that's... Mm. The, that, that's research has proven only about a quarter of an inch of uh, a shift in the structures can lacerate the nerve endings, can cause inflammation, can cause swelling, and actually destroy I and mean, just ruin your life because then your your functions are getting affected. I don't think there is any helmet out there yet that's going to eliminate that quarter of an inch of a displacement. No matter what you're wearing, it's inevitable. Do you think it's a slow progression? You know, we get used to something and it takes more and more stimulus to actually get us the same, you know, like drugs. Sometimes it just takes more and more drugs to get you high. When you start playing at, say, seventh grade, by the time you're in high school, have you had enough hits where, you know, maybe that first year you played, you're like, wow, I was just apparently like in a concussed state for the whole year. And in the second year, you're like, oh, that didn't really bother me as much because you sort of damaged the outer rim a little bit. Right. I would say it's it's. I would say that to some extent that is true because initially, uh, like I said, after the first, if you've ever had your first blow and you haven't lost consciousness, you probably just had a mild version of it. So you you your body sort of just self corrected, and you may have no, you may have had functional problems, but they were not that pronounced. So you know you went back to getting hit uh, multiple times. But then the really serious problems kick in. Memory loss and then dementia kicks in and then Alzheimer's kicks in for people in their early 40s and 50s. And now you're like, oh, my God. What happened? You're, you're suddenly, yeah, you're, you know, you're in a shutdown mode now and you're, you have social withdrawal. And all of that slowly, it's slow progression, 100%. You don't get depressed overnight after a concussion. That depression is coming after months and years of dealing with some of the residual symptoms that you never recovered from and you just kept fighting them and you just kept, you know, using drugs and some, all these other kinds of, um, you know, through medication and very few people actually get therapy for these things. And when it really gets bad is when you get suicidal, like people get suicidal uh, because now they've never recovered from their headaches. The headaches just kept getting worse. That caused a lot of disturbance in their sleep cycle and they had this loss of appetite. Now they don't feel they have this social withdrawal going on because they don't feel like they are themselves anymore. And it's sort of a vicious cycle. And that slowly, it, that takes years to sort of hit you. Yeah. And it's suicide prevention was sometime this week as far as the awareness day. It, it blows me away that I guess the people we're seeing now, you know, that's like they were playing maybe 10 to 20 years ago. 
But I just hope that now that there's enough awareness to say, hey, these are things that's going on. This is what can happen. If you see this, get some psychology help, get some PT. And I just don't know, you know, in small town America, maybe even big town America, if that's actually being conveyed enough by the coaches that there's help out there and seeing these warning signs because it's just there's no sense to let it go to, to that extreme to be depressed and have suicidal thoughts when there's so much help out there if you just you just have to know about it that there is right so that was one of the reasons why i wrote this book because i feel and my mantra is awareness is the new prevention unless you're going to really educate yourself and become self-aware and you know sort of don't be in denial if it's a problem it's a problem you know seek help don't be afraid don't uh, shy away from it doesn't make you or your child look uh, weak or anything exactly. some some people some kids and some parents have are just in that in that competitive spirit and they are sort of in a state of denial that oh no nothing can oh my just you know knock it off shake it off you know you're fine they have that that kind of and i've seen those parents in my clinic too you know where for generations the family is known for having the best of players in their in their you know their genes and their blood yeah. and, uh-huh. and they just if their kid was hit in the head and i'm like oh my god you have to sit him out and oh you know what you might want him to uh, get help from a psychologist because he is looking like he's uh, unhappy and not himself they just don't want to hear that so no matter i don't know if we are even if it's even worth uh spending time or money or you know any uh, energy in spreading this awareness because there'll be always that little population of people that are going to be in denial of these issues and they'll probably regret not seeking help at the right time and prolonging the recovery yeah. by by not admitting to what the real by not facing or addressing the issue in time those kind of parents annoy me. Just, you know, it's like, <laughs> I understand there's only eight games a season and what? your kid has to miss two and you think they're going to go to yeah. the best school or the baseball kids that play year round and they get Tommy John surgery by the time they're in high school. And you're like, you should not have this surgery. Your kid's not that good. And it should be something like 10 years in the ML. What is it? MLS, whatever it is. Yeah. No, ML. NFL. I don't even know. That's how much yeah. I don't care about baseball. Oh yeah, the MLB. <laughs> oh, MLB. MLB. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, you know, those are the guys that get these surgeries. It's just like you don't even rest your kid. Like mm-hmm. they should take a break. Come on. Right. That's why I feel like more and more schools. I spoke to a lot of parents, and I would, the, my simple question would be: Has the coach decided to have a little meeting with you, parents? So has he ever ever mentioned head injuries or what? You know, I know every student get comes home with a flyer or like a piece of paper with the do's and don'ts and what to expect, which, you know, makes its way to the trash can as soon as possible. Because I, I, <laughs> right. I know parents who haven't read that stuff. I, they admit not reading it. And I don't feel like that's the best way or that's the best method to get the word out. I feel it should be... They a, should be signed or something. It should be a more subject. Not No two kid players are the same. And no two concussions will be the same, you know. It should be a more personal, a more subjective interaction with the, you know, with the parent. It doesn't take that long, you know. You know, hey, watching your kid play, it is awesome, but I'm just going to give you a little heads up on what head injuries are and what might happen, even though our coaching styles are trying to be, you know, we're trying to keep it as safe as possible for them. Your child might come home with an injury. I'm just letting you know what to expect. None of that is happening. Nobody's doing that. That's wild. Yeah. And not everybody's coaching styles are safe. I mean, I've had a, pa- a patient who coached his son's uh, football team for like over 20 years. 
not one kid sustained a head injury just because he said i kept my coaching style such i just wanted it to be safe and there is a there is that's why i feel like there is hope that we could keep our kids safe because it all depends on how you coach at when they start young when they start young how you coach and it's all about winning i know the aggression is it's it's a game uh, that requires you to be aggressive but i'm sure there is a way to tweak that and make it safer the practitioners out there who are interested in developing this part of their education because they might have feel like it's lacking yes they've taken a basic course but and if we're honest with ourselves we're like the, the obvious cases we could figure out but sometimes it's the nuances that would make us better whether we're in school or been in the real world for a while are there any courses that we can take or classes that we should take or just honestly like yeah just take out my book i mean i know uh, cdc came up with a certification course that sort of get, makes you aware of what to, what to look out for uh i know nfl has the heads up program where coaches can get certified and they sort of have incorporated some of these coaching styles that are safer and you know the right ones are these and the wrong ones are these so those kinds awesome. of certifications and uh, uh, i think programs uh, are available i think in the united states and uh, canada and all these other countries that are taking concussions more seriously than us but um for a therapist i would say for a pt i know that we in our basic education training we do go through uh biomechanics is such an important part of our of our domain like pts are you know just the gurus in biomechanics so i feel like applying those principles to assessing a child with cervical problems shouldn't be that difficult it's not rocket science for a pt to give uh, do the right biomechanical assessment do the right assessment uh, to test agility and aerobic capacity yeah. of the of the of the athlete to check for cranial nerves these are the basic things that we need to check off sometimes it's just about a form right if you got a form it tells you what to check for then you check it if you don't have the form then you forget yeah sometimes it's just that simple yeah and the neurocognitive uh, assessment is done at multiple like i know kids get neuro the baseline assessment they do uh, before, even before the season begins has a lot of neuro assessment Uh, scales on it like the Glasgow coma this and that which is again something a PT could do so but what i want to uh, what i want people to understand is that we don't have to only focus on the neurocognitive and the neurological disabilities let's look at some of these other factors too which i believe a PT could definitely right. do and they should probably have a physical therapist on field uh, or as an integral part of their team in every school which uh, which is lacking right now Yeah, I mean as I I'm a chiropractor so of course we're going to say it's kind of the same thing. If you got hit hard enough to for that to happen, there's probably going to be something going on in your neck that if we can get that to go <laughs> moving well, getting those muscles to relax, everything else is going to start to feel better too, you know. So it's I mean I'm sh- right, I'm sure headaches could be eliminated through physical therapy, to, uh, you know, or treatment, uh chiropractic yeah. treatment. You don't have to live with those headaches. Why do you want to live with those headaches? Why do you want to take pills for that? There are there are, headaches were normal. there are better ways to treat that. and just people are not yeah. aware so people don't know what to do and there's only so much the coaches can shoulder because they're only one set of eyes looking at so many athletes so kids playing all at the same time <laughs> so it'll yeah. be good to have a little help around there well let's switch gears a little bit let's talk about marketing and you can go two different ways you can talk about marketing for your clinic versus marketing you know to get the concussion uh, awareness going on so you can tackle both of those but 
you know, we're typically our solopreneurs. We're, we're trying to create a practice that's profitable. We have to market ourselves. What are you finding that's a good return on your investment? I feel marketing of, of, for the clinic is uh, much easier once you even give one patient a good experience. That word of mouth marketing, uh, nothing beats that. No flyers and no digital marketing can beat you making sure you've taken good care of your patients, <laughs> you know. But when it yeah. comes to spreading awareness on concussions and marketing, my book has probably been the toughest job I've ever taken up because, like I said, you're dealing with a crowd that, first of all, for me, uh, it's a male-dominated field. Uh, you know, it's it's dominated by male. <laughs> so uh, for me, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a woman trying to tell people to change the world of football, it may not be taken very well. It may not be accepted at the, at the same level uh, as against uh, a male, you know, somebody like you who is trying to spread the same message. So that's why I come to you. <laughs> and that's messed up, right? <laughs> it is messed up, but yes, I need your help. <laughs> and uh, uh, the other thing we do, I, I see, again, you have to get yourself out there. So I am going to, I go to a lot of schools and talk to the PTA, um, uh, you know, and I feel like parents are the ones who will make or, you know, who can make the big difference here. If they have, if you convince them that there is a way out of, you know, this whole problem and there is a solution and you just have to believe me and work with me on this. If you convince the parents, I feel like then you've really half the battle is won right there. So getting yourself out there personally, I know it's, it's impossible for me to be at every or at thousands of schools across the country and, Try, uh, me trying to deliver that message in person everywhere is not going to be easy, but that's where I've started. And then, of course, you have marketing through social media platforms, which, again, is hit or miss. Yeah, really. Oof, that's a tough one. I mean, you almost have to partner with organizations that are already out there uh, bringing awareness for something, but that's already national. It's like if you can find those and then hobnob your way into those groups right, right. <laughs> provide value right then all of a sudden you're like oh here's a book that you can all read okay cool right then but you say yeah it's, there's only so much time in a day sometimes it's like if i do i have to pay somebody to do all of this work for me because i don't have time for all this right that's when you have to start delegating and you have to be you have to work smarter and not harder because then you can't be everywhere I feel podcasts are such a good way to spread the message because I really appreciate this platform more than anything else. Uh, I feel it's de it definitely changed. Um, it was game changer when it started, and now more and more people are using it as a platform. Um, you know, just it's not always about marketing, but it's also such an easy way to spread to to give out a strong message without having to worry about being judged and <laughs> you know face the person. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, you know, people will get critical about what you have to say, but uh, I feel this is a very safe way to get the word out and spread the message. So I'm really, I'm really thankful again for you to have uh, me on your, on your, uh, on your, as your guest. Yes. No problem. I mean, that's what I like, like you were saying about podcasts is everyone you go on, whether they have a hundred downloads or 405,000. That's people that you didn't know and you didn't have any contact with and you didn't have to market to yourself. It's just it's there. They listen to it. And who knows who those people are and what platform they have to, right. to help boost your own message. So I like that a lot. I want to respect your time. So we'll just switch gears yet again. Okay. 
This is the fun part. I call it the more personal side of the interview. When we have our own clinic, we have a lot of, a lot of responsibility and it's kind of hard to take vacations. Are there any way that you're able to shut it down and get that recharge that you need? Or how are you able to do that, I should say? So, yes, I think, again, I would, I would repeat, uh, I would say work smart, do not work hard. Because if you're going to work hard, you're never going to find time for yourself or your family. You just got to be smart about what you do. So what, the one thing I did after I oh, well, authored the book, I, I reduced my clinical hours. You know, that's when you start delegating, you start getting more people in to help you out. So I reduced my work hours. I don't work every day now. I only work three days of the week and I make sure that when I'm working those three days, I put in 100% and then I use the rest of my time to participate in activities that my, I have a five-year-old. So mm. just partake, you know, participate in activities that he likes and focus on myself and focus on other things, which I'm passionate about, which is currently my book. And then to, occasionally I would take vacations. I've, I like I had mentioned before, I am from Bombay, so I make sure I go back home every year to, to see my family. <laughs> and that alone, ah. that alone uh, sort of is an energy booster that lasts for the whole year after I'm back. So, yes, the, the key is to work smart, not work hard. Okay. And that was another one is on a day-to-day, week-to-week, finding that work-life balance. That is a different question. You kind of, you kind of answered it. Let's see if you have a different one. When we're talking about work-life balance, we all, like you said, you have a five-year-old. What does that look like on a weekly or daily basis so that you're not overwhelmed with work, with charts coming home after work? Um, you said you might have hired someone right, to take your place when you're not here? Right. So, um, you know, you sort of, um, there are so many softwares out there and there's so much. There things have gotten easier. If you go digital, uh, if you reduce paperwork uh, by just getting the right, I feel like we've switched from doing more stuff on paper and then we've gone digital. So having gone digital has helped a lot. Definitely keeping my work at at work is, is also important. I seldom come home with with paperwork because it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to just be like, you know what, I'll just bring this home. I'll bring this pile of uh, charts and files home and I'll take care of it once my, I put my son to sleep or whatever. I don't think I do that much i i i, restrict, I don't want to do that i restrict myself from doing that so otherwise it's always it's so easy to do it though it's so easy to just tell yourself you know what i'm just gonna bring this home but if you you know if you stop yourself from doing that that's when you've really you, you've really done yourself and your family a favor because now you really have time for the real things and you're not like sucked into work you're not on the clock 24 7 not responding to work emails or you know emails related to so whatever they could wait till your you know for the, till the next day it's not a life or death situation you could always deal with all that once you go back yeah we don't have too many of those right we don't we're, we're not we we do uh help we are practitioners that uh for a lot of patients feel we play a more important role in the last than their surgeons or doctors do but again that could wait if they have any I usually don't respond to any patient emails or whatever in uh, after I've clocked out. I'm, that's I'm done. So I think just those uh, those habits that you form uh, make a big difference, and it takes a while to sort of get yourself out of it because it's very easy for me to uh, if I have a patient who says, you know, the so and so is uh, is a problem. How can I fix it? I, it's very easy for me to just be like, let me 
get, you know, let me give you that advice right away. Yeah, let me just take five minutes in this email. Right, and but it's only 11 p.m. at night, but let me do it anyways. No, we don't want to do that, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Setting up a monster of a, of a situation <laughs> later on when you decide to change. Right, but that change has helped too. And what about keeping the love alive so you don't end up divorced? <laughs> what, what you got for us? Any secrets? Oh, I, I think I'm contemplating that every day. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> uh, we, uh, we, my husband and I, take uh, take up at least one activity uh, to do in common every weekend. So be it uh, he likes hiking, so be it hiking or just taking up a dance class, or just it's it uh, just going for a really long walk. Besides, uh, you know, like it could be very something very basic as just literally, let's just go on a long walk together or just let's go bicycling together uh, without the child or without anybody else, just the two of us. So we end up doing that once a week only, though. <laughs> and I think that's been working. That's great, though. You need that. Yeah, that's been working. Uh, we're still together. It's been 10 years and we're hoping <laughs> it, we can sort of uh, work it out for the next as many years as possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what kind of dancing are you doing? I'm curious. Well, we are big Bollywood fans. So uh, in our community, we do have um, these little programs they have for Bollywood dance. So if they have something on, over a weekend, they usually have it on weekdays too. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Nobody's judging anybody. But we're doing it together. So that's fun. I'm going to make you laugh maybe a little. One of my most favorite Pandora stations over the last probably four months is a mix of uh, movie soundtracks and Bollywood workout. Like, I guess it's just movie movie soundtracks of like high end Bollywood music. And we just have it blaring in the house and my little baby's like bouncing and watching Go me dance it. with her. <laughs> Go oh, for man. it. It's, 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 para- it's therapeutic. <laughs> Uh, it's so I, fun. It is it's, fun. I love it. Bollywood has uh, it's different. It's the the beats and it's it's it, you know don't take the lyrics uh, that seriously, but <laughs> go for the beats. Don't worry, we don't know what they're saying anyway. Right, I don't know sometimes <laughs> what they're saying. I don't blame you. So I would say just just the beats are fun. That they are they are very they sort of get your vitals to go up and they, they keep you they keep you it, it, they're very peppy. So that's a good choice. Yeah, that definitely. My my father-in-law, where they from in China, they have similarish kind of music, but like the dancing kind of with the hands in the air and that kind of stuff. Right. And so when I watch him dance and he, you, know, you watch some of the videos and you're like, huh, that's kind of similar. And so like he kind of goes into it. So it's been fun. It's fun to watch and that's a great blend. get down with it. Yep. Just yeah. Don't give up on that station hour. <laughs> <laughs> well... To wrap things up, do you have any favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you secretly love and ones that you think other people should definitely check out? Right. So I feel like all of us need a mentor in our lives. Uh, You don't sometimes find them in person. So what I started doing is, yes, podcasts are my way to get a little mentoring and to just get some some advice from some people who are more experienced than me, who've seen life, uh, you know, in different shades and you know sort of have a strong message to give out uh, my favorite book so far has been um, 48 laws of power by uh, robert green i think it's it's the greatest book ever i mean he's a great author i think he's written six books and they've all been bestsellers but this is one book i i usually go back to uh, on, a, on a very regular basis i feel like because he's take he's picked up uh, real life experiences 
to justify these laws and how they can be so impactful and how they can be a game changer for not only your personal, you know, for growth personally, but also professionally and career wise. So I, if you haven't read this book, you got as soon as we're done with this podcast, you're getting on it. It's called The 48 Laws of Power by Rob Green. And at least get the summaries out there, y'all. If you never noticed, if you've never done this, I've done this a couple of times. I've heard people, different books, like, oh, you definitely got to read this book. And I'm like, boy, there's so much time in a day. So I'll like Google a nice review and you can get like a 10 page review from somebody else who's read it. And I'm like, well, that's the main points. <laughs> if I want to learn more, I can go back and read it. Now, 48 laws, that's a lot to put down into a summary. Right. But um, you might be surprised what you find out there, guess. If they're just, I'm telling you, you're going to love it, especially because, you know, I see you. We sort of have some synergies in terms of where we are career-wise and what we're trying to achieve here. And if mm-hmm. I could relate to it, I'm sure you will definitely relate to it. To summarize, I would say it just talks about general rules about how uh, you have to be like one of the rules he speaks about is keeping your intentions and keeping your goals to yourself, like not being overly expressive about them because you don't want your competitors to sort of start sensing them and uh, destroy things for you. But at the same time, you sort of want to misguide them uh, why you're keeping your intentions personal. It's 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 tricky. It's, it's hard. I don't know if I'm putting it ah. the right way, but... Isn't that crazy? No, it's intriguing enough to make you want to read it. That's there for sure. you go. It's so funny. I'm like, wow, very interesting. So you sort of, you keep talking about your intentions, but they are not really your true intentions. So that way your competitor is sort of going with you on that, totally not aware that you are working on something else altogether. Because if you go silent and you don't talk about anything at all, that sort of also gets uh, people, you know, you, it's, it's, it looks suspicious. So one of the laws is yeah. like, just, you know, keep, go about expressing your intentions, but not the actual intentions. <laughs> so isn't that intriguing? I'm sure I want to pick up that book right now and be like, what is this all about? Yeah. Well, I had heard from somebody, you know, who knows where it was, but they were saying, be careful with how much you do tell someone. Because if you tell the wrong people, they end up being haters and they squash your dreams. And you're like, well, that was the opposite of what I was hoping for. And so sometimes you got to keep some of these things a little bit closer to the chest so that you don't get all this negative feedback when you could have done it if you just stay a little quiet. Yeah. Yep. Yep. On the on similar lines. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mancy, how can people get in contact with you, find out more information? Uh, could be the same website you gave earlier so that uh, guests can reach out. Yeah, so it's the website, uh, www.concussiontalks, with an S, concussiontalks.com. My email is on it. It's uh, mancy at concussiontalks.com. If anybody wants to reach out, have any questions, they could also purchase my book through Amazon and through my website. But again, I'm totally open to answering any questions. If anybody's um, not sure about, you know, if they have a family member who's sustained a head injury, they don't, they're not sure where to start, um, feel free to reach out. I'm totally open to answering any questions. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking some time with us today, getting us more aware of, of concussions and what you can bring to the table. And I do hope that uh, you'll make a few sales and nothing else. And um, again, thank you for, so much for being on the show. Likewise. I, it was an honor, Justin. I think um, you guys do a great job hosting us. Um, and these podcasts are such a great platform for me to just spread the word out and I appreciate your time. 
another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no needle acupuncture book, for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style. So if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, Pure VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan, let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective. <laughs>